0: Welcome to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of upmyinfluence.com. We believe that every person has a unique message which can positively impact the world. Now, on this podcast, your host, veteran radio personality Jennifer Longworth, encourages entrepreneurs to share not only their expertise, but their stories and their hearts. You're gonna love this show. You're gonna hear real stories from real people on The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. So let's go.
1: If you're going to be an entrepreneur, then be entrepreneurial. You have to be different. You have to do something different. You have to operate differently. You can't imitate. You have to innovate.
2: This is Jennifer Longworth, and today's Thalpa Entrepreneur is Kat McLeod. Kat is general manager and founder of Layout Escapes. He's a charismatic, big, blonde, viking of a man with 40 years motorcycle riding experience across 20 different countries. He has degrees in international business, marketing, video production, and an MBA. He took his 15 years of experience in the motorcycle industry and 10 years of experience in the travel industry and turned a crazy dream into a company that's been running now for six years. His business is unique, but his story might sound familiar. Connect with this businessman masquerading as a globetrotting motorcyclist at laterescapes.com. That's L-E-O-D-E-S-C-A-P-E-S dot com. Welcome to the show, Kat.
1: Hey, hello.
2: You have a really unique business where you're taking people to the other side of the world for motorcycle tours. So can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing?
1: Well, I like to tell people I spend uh, I spend a year abusing my passport, liver, and motorcycle <laughs> racing suit knee sliders. But I'm not a motorcycle racer. People are like, oh, what do you do? I'm an international motorcycle tourer. In 2013, I decided my motorcycle tour company, uh, Layered Escapes, had to be different, uh, authentic, unique. We offer international motorcycle tours that includes track riding on famous MotoGP circuits. Our clients love it. Uh, We run about seven different tours now, but still our biggest problem is awareness. Uh, Most motorcycle riders think that what we do is an impossible dream.
2: This dream being that they follow the sport and go, oh my gosh, I would love to ride on this track or that track, but how am I going to get there? I don't know how to do this. I mean, so that's that would be the dream. They have like a bucket list of where they want to go. Is that what you're trying to fulfill?
1: Um, well, I'll tell you, our customers are generally MotoGP fans. Now, if you wanted to see the best motorcycle racers in the world, what would you watch? You'd watch MotoGP. These are the best racers, the best bikes, dueling it out over 19 races that are held all over the world. Uh, if you're a MotoGP fan, then these racetracks are legendary places where your heroes ride. But more than that, our, our clients are also track riders. And a track rider is someone who takes a motorcycle to the racetrack and rides it there. Uh, it's an awful lot of fun, and it also makes you a better and safer rider. So first, for a person like this to be able to ride a good, high-performance motorcycle on a famous racetrack like Mugello or Phillip Island, it's a day filled with with magic moments, and Landoscape's mission is to set the stage so those moments can happen.
2: Okay, okay, I, I'm not a motorcyclist myself. Sorry, <laughs> I it's tried okay. to get my head around like it'd be like a golfer playing Pebble Beach.
1: Similar, yes, but with a lot more excitement. I'd like to think.
2: Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, in general but for, for that but as far as you know capturing the magical moment of yes. a, a dream
1: for some people it's just back. an honor to be able to set foot uh, on this racetrack where they've seen so many great moments happen and, you know people start getting excited even as we go through the gates it's, it's a big thing
2: you're taking people to germany you're taking people to italy is this a vacation with a racetrack involved or is it all motorcycle all day all night What what's happening here
1: Uh, Okay, these are 10-day vacations uh, with hotels, guides, uh, motorcycles for the street, motorcycles for the racetrack. Um, We'll be running five of these tours this year. Uh, Germany, Spain, Australia, California. Uh, The racetracks we'll be riding this year will be Mugello, Zoxenring, Aragon, Phillip Island, Laguna Seca, and one new bonus one that I just added a few days ago. Uh, We've got time to do Catalonia, which is just outside of the Spanish city of Barcelona.
2: Pretend I ride a motorcycle for sure. a moment. Okay. So I'm going to go. Is it just about the experience of riding motorcycles or are there other like excursions that you do or do we do like a road trip around or is it like, hey, everybody come and do this?
1: Since, since every one of these people is a track rider, they're experienced riding motorcycles on a racetrack, that generally means that they're pretty good motorcycle riders in general. So that means that they're also very qualified to take lots of curvy, scenic roads within the destination that we've come to visit. Um, and something that you learn as a motorcycle rider, the best way to see the world is on two wheels. i bet. It's a wonderful way to be out in the open, and you're always going for the the back roads, little country areas, so Rather than being trapped in a bus, which can only go so many places and only park so many places, uh, a motorcycle rider can go anywhere, can park anywhere, and we can really get in touch with the country we've come to visit. And also, we kind of like riding fast on the curvy roads and those beautiful mountains and that type of thing.
2: Well, yeah, I can imagine. that. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're providing the bikes for the people? Yes. Because I can imagine it would be kind of a pain to bring your own across
1: Very Asia. much so very much so you do not want to you do not want to transfer a bike overseas unless you're planning on staying someplace for like six months or more
2: so you have agreements i guess with companies in these locations and and you mentioned having different bikes for track and road is that what you yes
1: yes you would having the right tool for the job um your your average person who, who knows sports cars uh Knows you wouldn't, would not want a racing sports car to travel all day on the back roads with, you know, you'd you'd want, you'd want a different vehicle. So right tool for the job. So there's, there's bikes for the street and bikes for the racetrack.
2: How did you make the connections with those international businesses?
1: Um, there's such a thing as working in the motorcycle industry. And then really it's just reaching out and looking and searching and continual networking and, I, every now and then I'll get surprised and I'll, I'll find a I'll find a vendor that I hadn't heard of before. Uh, but we're getting better at it. I hear rumors of uh, the most difficult thing for me to find is good bikes for the racetrack. good quality bikes for my clients that are well maintained, new, sexy, the latest model or something. You know, people want to ride the new Panigale V4, uh, which is by Ducati, or the new uh, BMW S1000RR. That's a these are sexy words for for sport motorcycle riders to be able to ride that bike on that racetrack that's a special treat as well so that's half the draw so to find those vendors yeah it's it's tricky i've like i've heard rumor that there's a a fleet of kawasaki zx-10s somewhere in malaysia i still haven't found them so i'm hunting
2: how did you get into this anyway obviously you're an avid biker and then one day you said you know what would be really cool Is if I traveled (laughs) the world bike. And you know what would be really, really cool is if I helped other people do the same thing. Where did this vision come from?
1: Um, Well, I'll I'll sort of back up into it. Um, it, The job sounds cool and it definitely has its moments. Uh, Like a lot of Gen X entrepreneurs, I was kind of forced into it. Uh, I had decades of motorcycle and travel industry experience, uh, four college degrees, and you get to a point in your career where all you hear is, Overqualified, which to me is a coward's way of saying they're afraid of hiring someone with too many skills and talents. I was willing to take you know massive pay cuts. I was just trying to pay the mortgage, but no, you're you're overqualified and and uh you're the you're the wrong gender and color uh, in some cases. But um either way, uh, mostly it's just it had to do with you get to a point in your career where no one's gonna uh, you, since your MBA wasn't from an Ivy League school, you're just you're just not you're not going any higher, and you and now you're not even one of the mid level because the mid level's been cut out. So I, I launched my own tour company uh, in a rather competitive space. Uh, it's littered with carcasses of failures. We've made it work. We've learned some lessons along the way, and I'm I'm sure we'll learn more. So what does that
2: look like? You went okay. This this regular working things not working out i'm going to form a motorcycle tour company what's your first step
1: you have to go with what you know and i saw a hole in the marketplace uh in california but um a a little bit some of the stuff i'd want to pass on to other fellow entrepreneurs is is being entrepreneurial and, and, and seeing the opportunities where they lie so
2: yeah go ahead and share what what tips do you have for our thoughtful entrepreneur who's listening
1: if you're going to be an entrepreneur then be entrepreneurial. You have to be different. You have to do something different. You have to operate differently. You can't imitate. You have to innovate. The core of your business, whatever business it is, cannot be what other people call best practices. The term best practices always assumes that the solutions that are, are in the industry can be replicated to fit completely different situations. Um, I'll give you two examples to, to help illustrate. the motorcycle tour industry, okay? It's made up of about four or five big players and dozens of small ones. When we first started Land Escapes, we were just running authentic sport touring tours in California, which is unusual, but it's hardly unique. I know I needed to offer something different, but I didn't know what it was. Uh, I went to Germany to find clients, but instead I found the product. While I was in Germany, I went to a motorcycle track day just like a track day anywhere else in the world, but I it was a little racetrack called in East Germany. At the end of the day, we're all sitting around a campfire in the pits. Uh, their English is bad. My German is worse. Their beer is certainly better. And the pizza, that pizza was the spiciest pizza I've ever eaten to this day. It was fiery hot. Um, but what was really surprising was how similar it was to a track day in the United States people from all walks of life gathering together at a racetrack to improve their riding and have fun. And it was also very authentic. You don't see any tourists at a track day. And having worked in the travel industry, I was big on authenticity. I hate touristy stuff. So I thought, okay, how do I get Americans to come over to Germany to a track day? This would be fun. Well, we'd have to offer them a famous racetrack because there has to be a racetrack they've heard of. Otherwise, they're not getting on a plane for it. Well... The most famous racetrack in Germany is the MotoGP racetrack of Sachsenring. But, of course, we'd have to take them on some street riding. Who wants to fly all the way over to Europe and just do two or three days of track riding on a track and then fly home? Well, where should we go? And my Germans answered, go? It's the Dolomites. Which, uh, for those who don't know, is, that's the Italian Alps. So, six months later, we returned with eight Americans, and we ran the first ever Sachsenring in Italian Alps track and tour uh it was the first one of its kind Uh, we made some mistakes but it didn't matter because the response that we got from that tour was so great we obviously knew that we would found something we found something that no one else had done and what i'm saying here is we've been entrepreneurial we as a company just turned on a dime and created something entirely new in the marketplace that no one had ever done before and it ended up becoming the product that defined our company Uh, So that's the the being entrepreneurial thing. Now, the second example is more important because it shows how we failed when we didn't decide to be entrepreneurial. Uh, When it comes to advertising our tours, we first started doing it by doing what other tour operators in the space did. We looked at what the big guys were doing. He said, oh, we should do that too. We advertised in magazines and we did display ads uh, on the internet on motorcycle industry websites. And we exhibited at motorcycle shows. We followed the best practices, doing the same things the uh, marketing-wise that other companies were doing. You know, this is odd because I'm a marketing guy and I should have known better, but I didn't. <laughs> you yeah, know, I should have known. Um, so th- the shows, the the motorcycle shows, and the print advertising worked, but it wasn't efficient. We weren't reaching enough of our target audience who would want to go on a track and tour. It took several expensive years to figure out that doing what other tour operators did wasn't going to work because we were going after a completely different market. In the end, we had to uh, innovate uh, with our marketing as well.
2: Because you're a very, very, very specific client here. It's somebody who is a good biker interested in track, has the dream of going to these places, is competent, is willing to travel the world, has the resources available to travel the world, so all of a sudden we're like narrowing this down a little bit of, yes. of who we're talking to. And if you're out there just blasting it to everyone, yeah, like you said, it's not not efficient to find your person who's actually going to do this. So what are you doing now? How are you finding that person?
1: Okay. Uh, that's an important question because for the for the most part, my job isn't to run tours. It's to fill them. Everybody was supposed to say, hey, how do I become a motorcycle tour guy? I said, it's easy. You can be a motorcycle tour guide with me anytime you want. Just bring me ten clients. There you go. So what we do now is uh, we combine our video skills with some pretty sophisticated targeting on social media. We only run print ads in magazines that cooperate with us uh, editorially, and I don't mean like you know make make you know lies about it. Just we have to have a close relationship with that magazine in order for us to to even bother running an ad. And instead of marketing at motorcycle shows, we go to motorcycle track days and and market our stuff there. (laughs) Go where the fish are. Yeah. Yeah, Who would have thought? So (laughs) our next media foray will probably be into YouTube. Uh, We're noticing that there's a lot of people who, they don't go sit in front of the TV anymore. They go and sit in front of YouTube. They click on this video they're interested in, and then this video they're interested in. They sort of want bite-sized stuff about 10 minutes long that's entertaining that suits them, so that'll probably be our next one. But we've we've done really well with Facebook. That's that's helped us out a lot
2: with the tar- using their targeting, finding your specific person through Facebook targeting. Or- you
1: have to you have to feed the beast. Uh, Facebook <laughs> is <an> inc- <laughs> Facebook has a cr- incredibly powerful beast, but you have to feed it. And by that, what we did is we narrowed down our target audience uh, with. Uh, zip codes uh, based on income, who, how many people hold a passport in that particular zip code, uh, and also how far away people in that, that zip code were from a racetrack. We we got pretty sophisticated with it, and then we generate you know what zip codes are going to have the highest density of uh, our target audience, which also provide a lot of unique insight into the American condition about who those people were and where they are, as opposed to what media standard, standardly tells us about who our fellow Americans are.
2: Now, you've been to a lot of other countries now, and what that, has that taught you about the United States?
1: Yeah, if I spend about 30% of my time overseas now, uh, and it's it's changed me as a person because, obviously, people are products of their environment. I don't really behave like an American anymore. Uh, I can, I now walk on an international flight, uh, any flight. Doesn't matter, even though I'm obviously a big blonde dude and people will automatically talk to me in their native language. Wow. It, It has to do with your body language. I don't, I don't move like an American anymore. And so people don't think I'm an American anymore, so they don't talk to me. So the Dutch will talk to me in Dutch. The Germans will talk to me in German. Uh, the Spaniards will talk to me in Spanish as soon as I get on the plane. That's sort of a – <laughs> anyway, I guess the thing I've noticed mostly uh, going and living in all these different places and then coming back to the United States is how fearful uh, the U.S. is. It's, it's a culture of fear, because, mainly because it sells advertising. There's something in your kitchen that will kill you. We won't tell you what it is until weather and sports. <laughs> this type of news formatting is never seen any other place in the world. It's really a, a, an American thing. So the, the if it bleeds, it leads. If it's going to kill you, we're going to tell you about it. There's an overinflated sense uh, within the United States that the world is just coming to get you. You can't trust anybody, and, and everyone's, it's, it's all going to go bad It's just at a moment's notice. Whereas other nations of the world, they have much more trust in their, their fellow man, their fellow neighbors, uh, their fellow citizens, their, just humanity in general. To reaffirm your faith in humanity, I find traveling to be very beneficial. <laughs> Uh, so, how do you, so how do you use that as an entrepreneur? Well, you just have to be aware that Americans have been conditioned to, to react to messages of, of fear. And maybe you use those messages of scarcity. It's going to run out soon. You better get it now. This, this really works on, on American, uh, American consumers. It doesn't work as much on, say, the German consumer. The German consumer wants to buy from somebody who's been in business for a long time. They want to see that you have uh, an established process, that you're reliable, rather than your product's going to be sold out within less than 30 minutes. You better buy it soon. A uh, German wants to know you've been around for a while and, you're going be, and he's going to get a quality product for his money. It's, a, it's a, You have to speak the speak to consumers differently. I still don't know how to talk to Brazilian clients. It's, that would be a whole different thing. I would love to get uh, some of those. There's new, there's new money in Brazil. And I'd love to get some of those clients, but I don't know how. The important thing to know, especially for entrepreneurs who are thinking about taking their business overseas, is you can't know the international market. The, the textbooks and notebooks are filled with utter failures when businesses assumed that the international market was just like their own, when it was when it's actually completely different. So I guess the advice to entrepreneurs is be aware that other markets are completely different and will not react the same. Your messaging won't the same. The people may not want the same things. They can't be approached the same way. Your distribution channels will be different. Even conducting standard business negotiations will be very different as well.
2: So do you have uh, international folks doing your tours, too, or are your clients primarily American?
1: No, most of my clients are from the United States and Canada. Why? Because those are the people I understand how to market to. I would love to get some Chinese customers. I would be happy to get some of the Brazilians, uh, but I don't know how exactly to speak to them it's not just a language barrier thing it's also a cultural barrier thing where are they looking for advertising how should i best get my message across maybe i shouldn't use advertising maybe i have to go through the distribution channel of travel agents are still used by a, a lot of people in other countries they're just not used much in the united states anymore these are things that i have to figure out how to do so that's why it's mostly united states canadian and, and australian customers Cause I understand a little bit more about the Australian market now, now that I've done some business down there. They're not that different, really.
2: Do you get to ride anymore, or are you all behind the scenes trying to recruit people?
1: Well, I'll be on, I'll be on five tours this year. Uh, starting in May, it's going to get nuts. Uh, yeah, I am on a lot of these tours, but I'm not necessarily the primary guide. At least I, I'm sort of head of operations. But uh, when we're in Italy, it's in Rico. Enrico is my guy. He knows Italy. He knows the restaurants. He knows the roads. Enrico is uh, our ambassador into the country. He knows Italy in a way I never will. And that's why he's there. Because I I want to give my customers an authentic experience. Same thing in Spain. Uh, uh, Sergey and uh, David uh, will be there uh, to join us in uh, Barcelona and take us through the Pyrenees and Explain a little bit about local culture and make sure we order the right tapas uh, when we're in Barcelona. <laughs> that type of thing. So I do use local local talent uh, where I can because they offer uh, more. They offer my clients more authentic experience uh, rather than rather than a touristy experience.
2: Yeah, perfect. And that's what a lot of people are looking for today in 2019. They want the authenticity. They're not just looking for another tour. If people want to learn more about you and what you do, how can we contact you?
1: Pretty much all of my information is at uh, layoutescapes.com. Uh, and uh, obviously, you can find Kat McLeod on, on
0: Facebook.
2: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Sure. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. If you are a thoughtful entrepreneur who would like to be a media celebrity and be on our show, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest and attend my next live webinar where I'll reveal how to get more respect from influencers and media so that you can get more sales and traffic. Now, please do us a favor. If you like the guest that was just interviewed, would you share this episode on social media? And in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill our mission to help create more media celebrities. Make sure to hit subscribe, binge listen to our previous episodes, and we'll send you the next episode automatically. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Revolution.